welcome to Unapologetic, a podcast about defending, not apologizing, for your Christian convictions. There's a lot to know, isn't there? There are a lot of convictions that we as Christians have that we need to be able to give an answer for, that we need to understand and be able to explain and, and defend to other people. Right? We, we don't apologize for the fact that we are Christians and we believe the gospel and we believe that God spoke in his word and those sorts of things. No, we, we need to be able to give an answer for them, for the hope that we possess in Christ. But what you have probably realized is, and maybe this is why you listen to a podcast like this, there's a lot to know. I think there's a lot to know. There's still so much I want to grow in. And so all of that to say, it can be overwhelming to start thinking about all of the different areas that we need to know about and be prepared to give an answer for. And I wonder if you've ever felt this and if you've ever been overwhelmed by it, right? Consider the fact that we need to talk about the Bible and where it came from and why does it read this way and has it been corrupted and didn't people just take a vote and decide what should be in the Bible? There are so many questions about the Bible. And then there's Jesus, right? Was he really God? Did he actually exist? What did he do on the cross? Was he perfect? There are lots of questions there. And who is God? What is God? Uh, and the, the questions could go on and on and on. There are lots of questions. And pretty much every episode on this podcast has addressed a question, and we're nowhere near hitting them all because there are almost as many questions as there are people, right? People are individuals. Now, there are common questions and objections, but you'll often hear new ones. So all of that to say, there's a lot to know. And I want to be an encouragement to you today that if you apply yourself and you study just slowly and consistently over time, you will see it all fit together at some point. Not every single thing, but you will, you will get to a place where you have a firm grasp of these things and can navigate in conversations with confidence, knowing generally how to answer most of the questions that are out there. This is kind of the approach of, of compound interest, right? You put in small amounts over time, and at some point in the future, uh, it has uh, grown such that it will reap dividends, there's a book called The Compound Effect that talks about this, uh, kind of applying concepts of compound interest to how we live our daily lives. I've, I've read it like almost a decade ago, I think, and it was very helpful. But that's kind of what we need to do with Christianity and our Christian walk. We do that with spiritual disciplines, right? So we start reading our Bible a little, and slowly we start reading it more and more. And at some point you realize, wow, I have really been shaped by this. And it's the same way with prayer. These things pay dividends in the future. Small changes progressively over time really make a difference at some point in the future. And it's the same way with apologetics. You can't just jump in and say, I want to learn how to defend all of the essential doctrines of Christianity in a day, in a month, or in six months. It doesn't work. But if you apply yourself over time, it will all coalesce and come together in the future. And I want to talk about a conversation I had where it, it kind of worked that way. Now, it doesn't always work that way. I don't have answers to everyone's questions, and I, I am generally hesitant about holding myself up as an example. But I want you to be encouraged, because I have tried to apply myself to these questions, and I have tried to see how can I grow in this area over time, and I, I try to, on the podcast, help equip you all to do the same. So I had a conversation recently with, with a, a couple of college students. And it was after, after church one Sunday morning, and they had a lot of questions. And the questions were all over the place, not because they were scatterbrained, but because that's how questions about Christianity almost always go. One thing leads to another thing leads to another thing, right? One moment you're talking about a social issue, and the next you're talking about, I don't know, a specific verse from Leviticus 18. And it can be overwhelming to think, how am I supposed to understand how this verse from 1 Kings fits with 2 Chronicles something, uh, and then a moment later talk about a social issue and public policy, and a moment later talk about the deity of Christ? There's a lot to know there. 
And there is. I'm not going to downplay that. But what I am going to say is, if we apply ourselves progressively and even slowly over time, we will get to the place where we are equipped to deal with the majority of objections out there. We won't know what to do with everything, and we should be very equipped and feel confident in saying, I don't know, when we don't know. There is no shame in not knowing. There is shame in trying to give an answer and bluff your way through something or giving a bad answer just because you can't admit when you don't know. So it's much better to say, I don't know, if you actually don't know. So let me tell you about this conversation. We, we talked about who God was, right? That they asked me, well, well, who is God? What is God? And so I gave an answer. And I, the answer that comes to mind, honestly, is from a catechism I, I memorized, and so if you have not heard of catechisms, they are generally arranged in a question-answer format where there might be a question, well, who is God? And then the, the person who is learning the catechism memorizes an answer. And so there are questions like, uh, what is the purpose of life? Or how and why did God create us? And then someone remembers and memorizes answers that come from Scripture or are assembled from Scripture to that question. So I was asked, what is God? And what came to mind was from the New City Catechism, right? God is the sustainer and creator of everyone and everything. He's eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. And, and so that's something I learned that came out that I had put in earlier. And we, we often talk about this with scripture, but it works with other things too. What you remember in training will hopefully come out on the field. And, and you know, the person replied when I asked them what they thought God was, that they said God was just love. And I said, okay, is there any concept of, of justice or, or wrath in, in your idea of God? And they said, well, no. I said, okay, well, let's go back to the Holocaust. And they had brought up the Holocaust as a question earlier. Um, about, you know, where was God in that? And I said, would it be loving to the victims of the Holocaust for God not to punish the people who murdered them? And the answer that was given was no, it wouldn't. And so I said, okay, so it seems like what you're saying and admitting is we can't just have God be only love. He actually needs to be just too, or he might not actually be as loving. And they said, yes. And I think that's, that's true. God is fully just. He is fully loving. But love is not God, right? It doesn't work in reverse. So we talked about who God was. And then I asked the question, well, where should we go to learn about who God is? We can look inwardly at ourselves, but that's just an opinion. So where should we go to learn more about God? And uh, I think someone said, well, what about the Bible? And I said, yes, I think that's a great answer. In fact, it's probably the only way we're going to learn about who God is, is to listen when he tells us about who he is. There are certain things we can learn about God from nature, but to learn more about his person and his character, we are going to need to look at his word. Well, that led to questions, as often happens, of can we trust the Bible? And uh, it was interesting. You know, one of the, the people actually held a view that I've never heard in person before. And it was that he believed that, yes, the Bible actually was originally the Word of God, but it's been changed and it's been corrupted and it's been translated and translated and translated. Well, that's a very common claim that the Bible has been translated and translated and translated, kind of like the, the telephone game. And it's simply false, because any time a translation is made, we go back to the oldest and best manuscripts. And so we were able to talk about that. Well, and then the question became, well, well, where does temptation come from? Does God tempt us? And it's like, okay, well, you're holding a Bible. Let, let's turn to James 1 and let's, let's see what God says in answer to that question. And it says God tempts no one and he's not tempted himself. And then we, we talked about some social issues, and we talked about morality, and we talked some more about the Bible, and we talked for 35 minutes, and we were all over the place. And there were so many different sorts of questions about, well, who was Jesus, and who is God, and, and what happened on the cross, and can we trust the Bible? 
And this goes back to what I was saying. If you're just getting started in apologetics, some of those questions might be unanswerable for you. And there are, they are all over the place. You can't just study one topic and be equipped there. But what you can do is progressively apply yourself little by little over time, and you will arrive at the place where you're able to answer those sorts of questions in one sitting and converse with people. But here's the thing. It's very helpful to be able to answer other people's questions. That's certainly true. But we don't always have to play in the sandbox that other people give us, right? If I couldn't answer half of their questions, that doesn't mean we can't have a conversation because I can actually ask questions of my own, right? Christianity is not proven false if I can't answer someone's question. I have a friend. He's been on the podcast before, Hunter Levine. He loves making this point, right? 2,000 years of teaching and the success of Christianity does not hinge on your ability to answer someone's question. There are always going to be questions we can't answer, and that's okay. Now, we should strive to get answers, we should follow up with people, but we should also say we don't know when we don't know, like we said before. But even when I don't know the answer to a question, I can stop kind of being on the defensive or serving as the answer man, and I can ask questions of my own. And here was a question I asked them, and I think this is important. I I asked them, let's say one day when you die, you arrive at the gates of heaven. And it's one of those kind of scenes from a a joke, you know, where uh, Peter's standing at the gate or God's standing at the gate. And he says, well, why should I let you in? I said, what would you say? What is your answer to why God should let you in to heaven? And they didn't really give one. And and I, I just suggested, I didn't want to make it awkward. I didn't want to put them on the spot too much, but I said to them, if your answer is anything else than pleading your inadequacy and the the merits of Christ's work on the cross on your behalf and trusting solely in that, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And that that's that's the truth. And so often in these conversations, we, we sit back, and I do this too, and we, we talk about issues. Or maybe we don't talk at all. I actually think that's much more common, where people just do not enter into conversations because they don't think they know what to say or something. But we must enter into conversations. And when we enter in, we cannot simply approach them like they're neutral theological or philosophical questions that we lean back in our chairs and we just converse about. And it's just ideas being exchanged. No, these are the most important things we could ever talk or think about. And there are right or wrong answers. And the wrong answers are really damaging. The wrong beliefs people hold that their hearts love and hold on to also will will lead to their destruction and their judgment because of their actions. And so we can't just approach these dispassionately. I can't be content to just talk with a non-Christian and just kind of talk about the the age of the earth and what does it matter and and everything like that. Because I could change his view on the age of the earth, maybe, and, and it still not make an eternal difference. I could change someone's mind on a social issue, maybe uh, how we look at gender or sexuality, and it not matter in the light of eternity. So it's helpful to also steer the conversation. And you can do this, like I said, even if you don't know the answer to their questions, ask them some questions. Say, have you done wrong things? Have you done wrong things and known they were wrong? And the answer for everyone is is yes. And I think uh, another question to ask is, do you think wrong deeds should be punished? And this is a very interesting question, because people are going to want to say yes if it's not about them, and maybe say no if it it is about them. But the answer most people will give is yes. And, and, And you could say, yes, that's correct. Your intuition has informed you correctly. And the Bible affirms that too, that the wages of our wrong deeds is our judgment. And that creates a problem for all of us, for you and for me. And that's a great segue to talking about the gospel. 
right? Everyone is guilty and everyone needs forgiveness. Everyone, I believe, carries the guilt of their sin. They, they address it in different ways. They don't maybe have a formal category for it, but they do. And so talking to people about the mercy of God that is found in submitting your life to Christ can be very freeing if people could simply turn to it and would believe it. So all of that to say, ask your own questions. Figure out a way to make a thread to the gospel. Not in an awkward sense. It doesn't have to be awkward. But if someone's willing to sit with you for five and ten minutes and talk about things, about religion and Christianity, you can ask one of your own questions. Now, is the conversation a failure if you don't get to that, if you don't get to the gospel? No, it's not. No, it's not at all. And you can't make someone believe, obviously. But what we can do is try to be faithful stewards. And we can realize two main things. One, if we progressively apply ourselves over time, we will be better equipped to answer questions. We'll never be able to answer all of them, but we'll do a better job with most of them, the common ones. And the second thing is, we can ask our own questions. Even if we've been able to answer their questions, or if we haven't, it's very reasonable in a conversation for both parties to ask questions. And so use a question to get to the topic of the gospel. That is the thing we should be most prepared to defend. And yet often in apologetic circles, it's the other way around. People are really comfortable talking about the age of the earth and evolution and arguments for God's existence, and we often don't spend nearly enough time talking about the gospel and how do we defend justification by faith alone? How, how do we defend the idea and, and work and person of Christ on the cross? How do we talk about those central things? Because you could reform someone's worldview and then go to hell. It really matters if we get the gospel right. So let's focus on that in how we, we apply ourselves and where we study. And let's also use questions to get there in our conversations. And just realize at some point, if you progressively apply yourself, it will all come together. Well, I'll talk with you next week on Unapologetic.